0: Welcome to the Weekly Checkout, where anything and everything is talked about, so we don't have to pay for therapy. This is a special episode the guys recorded after the document was leaked from the Supreme Court about possibly overturning Roe v. Wade. As we now know, that has come to pass, and it was recently overturned just a week ago. And to say I am upset, angry, and just numb from this decision, it's it's hard. It it sucks. And I'm I'm not happy about it. And the thing is I'm not the only one. There are thousands, almost probably even millions, of people who are very upset with this outcome. And obviously if you read the news, even on or even on TikTok you hear how upset people are what our generation is currently doing um, because of this decision with the protests, the leaks of the court justices' info and um, even now just recently Anonymous going and deleting women's data off of period tracking apps to protect them. its We're, we're living in an insane time right now. Um, all right now I can say is I'm sorry that this is happening, um, but myself, Vinny, Legit, we, we are here for you, um, and in this episode, you will definitely hear them talking about the original document and their own opinions as well as um, where they stand in this situation. Um, so let us just move on to the discussion.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Weekly Checkout Podcast. I'm your host, Vinny, with my co-host...
2: Me! Mario! Actually, no, I think that's copyrighted, so legit.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, uh, and today we got a lot of stuff planned, uh, starting with how have you been?
2: Well, this week has been... You know what? I I cannot... I think this is the first time I'm going to say this on the podcast. And, well... To be fair, for the listeners, this is going to be a little bit weird because we do have, I think, 20 episodes at this point backlogged. But we're going to be releasing this one because it's more of a special episode. I don't even think we're going to put it in our proper listing. We'll just call it special episode, right? Um, Yeah. But this is the first time I can say that I'm ending, like, when I'm recording the podcast. I'm on, like... My week has started a little, very like very average to negative, but I'm ending on like sky nine, you know.
1: Like wow, teach me your ways.
2: Yeah, it's the past two days I've just been, just been in another world, you know. Like no matter how bad the things are, I just somehow seem to manage to find like a silver lining while holding grudges and like, you know, having some negative emotions as well, it still did not affect my overall mood. So
1: I'm very pleased with this week. What about you? I had a pretty good week too. Uh, The beginning was very busy uh, because I was working for my dad while he was uh, on a vacation trip. And uh, now it ended really nicely because I am back where I belong with my partner and chilling at home uh it was nice to see my parents have the vacation they have needed for years to be honest everything worked out and uh yeah i'm just happy about the whole situation it was also nice to see uh you know as you know my friends (laughs) which i'm not usually that close to physically uh and overall i think it was a good week especially the end of it uh even the the subway uh times worked out for me right I didn't have to wait too much when i was coming back but it was still a long time it was a long day yesterday but yeah it's been good
2: we're in a weird situation where it's uh we can't we have nothing negative to say about so uh in a weird way despite this spe- the special episode too, we we're talking about something extremely serious i think that we'll be approaching this from a more of like a Determined, grit, like let's go, we can do this vibes. More optimistic know? vibes. Yes. Yeah.
1: So yeah. It's, Which it's a... leads leads okay, me ahead. to my next point. It's our uh, weekly find. Did you find anything to make you feel optimistic about the future?
2: So I found out that I have a really good memory when it comes to remembering academic stuff or like things that I need for school. Or, you know, you know the the day to day runnings of life. But. I sat down a couple of days ago and was like, what are the things I remember about me? Like, what are the things in this point in time that I like? And I started realizing that there's a lot of things that I used to like, I used to enjoy that just kind of, with the passage of time, have been eroded away. And I don't remember that I love this thing or I love doing
1: that. So It's a little sad not it optimistic
2: is, it is wait here's the thing it, it starts off it's this is the realization phase you know i just realized that oh um every every day that passes a piece of me is getting replaced and being left behind by time so i sat down and i was like you know what i'm gonna write down just i literally wrote, have a page called who am i what do i like things that i don't want to forget or or a a snapshot of this point in time about the things that I liked and I just started writing things that I liked and I mean it is an interesting way where you want to look at this right it shows you how how recent my memory is and kind of wants me to deep dive do a deep dive into my own psyche because I I'm aware of my mental capabilities in terms of remembering things right It just seems like I have put artificial blocks in my own memory because I don't like whether it be a past situation or something I don't want to remember. I just put you know put it in a box, shove it in a corner. There it is. But all of the things that I like in that period of time is also in that box. So I just started off writing things that I like, and I am at about I think twenty now, and I'm really happy about it.
1: That's nice. That, that did take a nice turn at the end. I, was, I wasn't sure where I was going to go. I was going to make fun of you, but the, the ending, I can't make fun of that. That was yeah, a, it, it's, a nice It's
2: ending. a way to keep touch with versions of myself throughout time. And
1: uh, I, I recommend uh, a book for you that is really confusing, so you might want to like look up some videos about it. It's uh, the philosophy book by Heidegger called uh, Being and Time. Uh, in original German, Sein und Zeit, I guess, I don't know German, um, which talks philosophically about what it means to exist and to be a being. And it sounds like you're thinking about that, so that might be interesting, uh, just putting it out there.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to give it to a read, and also I'm excited because uh, another my another weekly find is I will be reading the, the Petit Prince with you and two of our mutual friends maybe three at uh, this book club might expand beyond nice nice because I'm always like hey if people like I want to read more I'm like hey we have this thing I actually might start like a proper email chain list on this one okay okay sounds good and I I I tell you this week is amazing uh instead of taking the pretty prince I was like you know what this is the perfect time to get in touch back with a good chunk of me which is my French upbringing so I was like I borrowed the book both in english and french
1: nice that would be nice so for my weekly find uh i have something that's very exciting to me uh, in personal uh star trek strange new worlds just released which is technically like a prequel series because it takes place slightly before the original 1960s star trek um and the main captain is captain pike which was the uh Captain of the Enterprise ship, which you might have heard of uh, before uh, Captain Kirk and it's cool. We got to see Spock, uh, it's going back to like the roots of Star Trek and the first episode was really nice. I'm really enjoying it and I'm just going to keep an eye out and it just made me feel, you know, hopeful for the future because Star Trek does have the ability to make us uh, feel that well, realize the potential that humanity has, you know what I mean, as a species. So I I, I think that's really nice.
2: Now, for the listeners, because you mentioned a specific show, and the unfortunate reality about Star Trek is I know it's not on Netflix or Hulu or Disney. So where would, if, you know, I want to watch it, where would I go?
1: Uh, if you don't want to sail the high seas, you can go to Paramount+, Plus, uh, which is what I'm doing, by the way. I got a free trial this week and if I don't cancel it I'll start paying next week um, so <laughs> Paramount Plus they have a, a basic plan that's $4.99 where you watch uh terrible ads that come up over three or four ad breaks during the show or you can pay the version with ads for double the price so you you pick your poison and you go from there they have all the Star Trek shows now pretty much because they're no longer on Netflix so yeah
2: and this is the interesting thing that i was saying is when you watch something with these terrible ad breaks also can't believe we lived in a world with this many ads actually Uh, like regular tv yeah i can't believe i we we went through that it's amazing so i kind of came to a point where you know where one of the ads that they had in hulu is the last and final ads is right before the fi- the funny credit scenes, like post-credit scenes. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, I yeah. why is it there? Because I'm watching a one-minute ad for a 15-minute scene. And I'm like, I can't. I can't do that.
1: 15 seconds, I think.
2: Oh, yeah. Sorry. 15 seconds. Yes. Yeah. But with that. It, it does should, happen. Should we transition to a big topic or do we have some other thing? Like, you know, cleaning a house event that we should do.
1: I mean, I I wanted to mention that uh, there's a UFC event happening tonight, which I will watch uh, after we finish this podcast. Uh, Something interesting happened where the champion did not make weight, which means that he loses his belt. And the only person that can win the belt and become the champion is the other guy. Even if the champion wins, he does not retain the belt, which is kind of tragic. And I have read up on it. Apparently, he said that uh, the skill in his hotel room said that he was already the right weight. That's why he stopped cutting weight. And then when he went down, uh, the s- official skill said he was half a pound over. So he tried to cut half a pound in like 30 minutes, almost died of dehydration and couldn't do it. But uh, hopefully they'll okay. look more into that. So
2: I want to, before we go into big topic, because you mentioned this, I kind of want to bring us back into the world of UFC, right? So can you explain to us uh, in like a quick fire, like, you know, fire, lightning round session, what, like, how the process of, like, when does the weighing come happens, when the fight starts, or, like, what like, like what are the requirements and all those, you know, nitty-gritty kind of things. And also, I read up somewhere that this is also considered, like, a lot of fighters were half a pound off, so is there an issue with the official scales as well?
1: So, the way it works is that you have to make weight, the day before, this is for uh, UFC. I don't know, other MMA organizations might do it slightly different. I know Bellator basically does the same thing. One championship does something different because they do a hydration test, but this is specifically for UFC. Uh, Fighters have to weigh in the day before. So fights are on Saturday, they have to weigh in on uh, on (laughs) Friday. And they usually have to weigh in uh, until like a certain time of the day, uh, maybe like noon or one. But anytime before that, if they want to like come in at 8am, just weigh in, show that they're the right weight, and then go back to like eating and hydrating normally, they can. Um, and if they fail to make weight and are close to making it, they get, I think, like 30 minutes or an hour to try to cut the rest, which is when they go to extreme measures to try to do so. And if you're fighting for a championship uh, like belt, you have to be the exact weight. So if you're in the 155 pound division, which is the case for uh, this fight, you have to be exactly 155.0 or less. You cannot be 155.1, not not allowed. There's no like permission of any margin of error there. If you're not fighting for uh, the belt, uh, there's a certain amount that's allowed. I think it's uh, like plus a pound maybe, or plus half a pound. So a lot of fighters, will, you know, just get in the ballpark, like I don't know, 155.4 and then they'll be fine. Um, they don't have to exactly make the weight on, like, the zero. Uh, what was the other question?
2: The other question is because I also read up on this UFC thing because it's like, oh, wow, the I think some, some people are saying, oh, this is the first time where the f- champion didn't make the weight and all of those kind of things. Yeah. So I also read up that's the that there's the, uh, the potential that the official scales might be half a pound off, something like that.
1: I mean, they're definitely gonna look into that because that's what the um, but the, the champion is, claimed, right?
2: Yeah, but the question is, what happens if he's right?
1: I mean, what if he's right? Then he's just gonna be able to fight for the belt. That's pretty much it, because everyone else made weight, anyways.
2: Can that happen post fight?
1: I mean, like them. I mean, they should uh, figure it out by the time the fight ends because it would be dumb to reinstate the belt afterwards, yeah. even if he wins the fight. Like, oh. they should figure out by the time the fight ends. But because okay. there's no precedent, we don't know.
2: Okay, so with that, we end our UFC session. and We'll take a quick, less than one-minute trip onto F1, because if for the first time, we're in Miami Grand Prix. Thoughts?
1: First of all, it's crazy to have a race in the same time zone that I live in. That's uh. That was a a shock. And and I do like how the track looks. I thought I wasn't going to like it. It's not quite Saudi Arabia. Uh, I like seeing, you know, the rich white guys by the pool on the side. (laughs) Um, Um, I am hoping that there's actually going to be... We can get some, like, good racing. Because, like, that long straight, I don't think a lot of uh, overtaking would be done around there. But I do like the... um, I was also worried about the chicane. I think it's turns 13 through 15. It's like an S, almost going uphill, where if the cars take a little bit, like, too much chicane, they just go flying. I'm worried that there will be, like, a yellow or red flag there tomorrow. Uh, qualifying went without a, a huge problem, though, which is nice. That's that's my thought so far.
2: And with that, who do you think is going to be the race winner? And we shall transition into the next topic.
1: Who do I think it will be or who do I want it to be?
2: Uh, who do you think it's going to be? Not who do you I know. think
1: it'll be Charles.
2: You think it's going to be Charles? So, yes. we're going to see. Uh, for me, my thoughts on the Miami... I'm, again, same thing. Happy that it's on the same time zone. A bit weirded out because it came, you know, when you have a habit and F1 is like a morning ritual. Now it's like same. an afternoon thing. I'm like, oh, what the heck? But, yeah. also, can't get over the fake water, fake marina. That's amazing. <laughs> and just uh. seeing the fans and everything. It's... I don't know. Uh, seeing the fans made me, made me feel... Better about this Miami Grand Prix, a lot better than the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix because it was empty stands everywhere.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh,
2: and the other thing I'm gonna hit up on this is I, I wish for Hamilton, but I know it's not gonna be Hamilton. So I'm gonna throw in my wild horse here. Say Carlos Sainz is gonna win. He needs this W, not for himself. Well, mostly for himself, but you know he needs a W, and.
1: See, he's the one that I wish to win as well. And you'd be like, wow, you're a Red Bull fan. Don't you want uh, Verstappen to win? No, I want Carlos to win. Charles to crash out. Of course, not get injured or anything. And uh, Max to come second. That's my ideal scenario.
2: Well, my ideal scenario is the top five just disappear and Lewis wins. Oh,
1: an ideal scenario, Yuki third. That would be perfect. Can you imagine the scene?
2: That would be, I'd be happy (laughs) for that. Actually, you know what?
1: Dream scenario.
2: Uh, Bottas first, Hamilton second, Mick third. Let's go. God. <laughs> That'd be so unlikely. But with this, I will just, before we transition, I'll let Vinny take over for our main topic. I do want to say that the Overwatch League is back. I have kind of watched it. Eh, meh, meh. That's basically my summary of how I feel about it. A lot of grunt okay.
1: noises. <laughs> yeah, lots of grunt noises. Uh, I'm sure you were grunting when you heard the news about our main topic. So, um, I we wanted to talk about the draft that was leaked from the Supreme Court of the United States, good old Scotus, and it's weird because, like, they ne- never anything leaks from them, right? Like, this is like historically weird that this mm-hmm. happened,
2: but I'm sure is, they will look into it, yeah. Uh, well, the Chief Justice has said that this is the we're gonna look into it, leaks from the Supreme Court should not happen, and all of those kind of things. By the deep
1: I mean, they really shouldn't.
2: Uh, let's talk about, before we get to the topic of it uh, at hand, let's talk about, do you think that the Supreme Court drafts and all of those things should be more transparent? And, like, do you look at this... In what in way good, do you mean? For example, this leak, right? Do you think that when justices are talking about a specific ruling and all of those kind of... Especially this is what a really good draft... Do you think that these kind of documents, sh- by the way, when I mean good, what I meant uh, written out to like, like, this is like your second review, third review. I hope a action.
1: draft is written out. <laughs> yes, you know what I mean.
2: <laughs> but uh, w- like I, the what my question here is, do you think that the Supreme Court should be more transparent when drafts are written? It should be. Say like, hey, we're debating about this. We're talking about this. We're thinking about this. This is what's going on in the Supreme Court right now. What do you think?
1: Maybe not the first draft, but once things start picking up steam and they actually decide that they will do something about it, then yeah, then I mean the drafts I feel like should be bolstered or something.
2: I firmly stand on the camp of I don't think I well, I think that the leak should get investigated because you don't really want to a, a leak per se but at the same time i do think that the supreme court should be a lot more open to transparency not by for the from the government but for the people per se like an
1: i ad- mean yeah the the only thing that worries me is that like i want uh the judges to have their fully like organized thoughts and opinions before things coming out to the public because this is the first draft i think the Outraged by most people at hearing it uh, will like affect the, the judges' judgment. But in this case, I mean, it will in fact, like, affect it in a way that I believe is a good thing, personally. But that's not necessarily going to be the case always. That's why I feel like maybe not the first draft, but once they have more of their thoughts organized on what they're going to talk about, then we should get it like posted publicly
2: i'm a bit more tone 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 torn on this matter because i i I, like as you said yes you don't want the judges to get easily influenced by these kind of decisions and everything you know they want you want something completely and functionally thought out before before the whole rest of the world knows about it but at the same time it for me it seems like this is a poor like our our whole democracy is based on the opinions and of what the people want. And having this first draft being out there still, like if a jury, uh, if a a judge is like, well, this is how I thought that the constitution interpreted this way, when the judge looks and it's like, well, clearly the people don't believe this.
1: That's the thing, though. The Supreme Court isn't necessarily supposed to answer to the people. They're supposed to interpret the constitution vis-a-vis the current society. Yes. So like take into consideration things as it is and the precedent and the way things are going, but they don't have to necessarily listen to like individual people wanting them to change their ways. Cause that's the job of the like Senate and the house of representatives.
2: Okay. Okay. So yeah, you do make some valid points. It's, it's still just this weird situation where I think that more transparency is better. It feels people to get more hopeful and included in our the state of our own democracy, you know?
1: I mean, yeah, it definitely you don't want to feel blindsided like uh, this This really felt like uh, coming out of nowhere.
2: I mean, okay, now that we go on to the meat of the matter, because you just had the perfect transition to me, because uh, as you okay, said... Okay, yeah,
1: so tell us what's happening and I can tell you the details.
2: Okay, so... This is a rundown of the timeline. There was basically a, dra- a leaked draft from the Supreme Court where three judges were deliberating and talking about Roe v. Wade, the 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 Supreme Court case that basically has uh, made that abortion is uh, a right entitled to women and not just women, just American people in general, and states have n- cannot outright Banned abortion. Well, of course, you know, there's limits and term limits of, like, oh, you can start, like, where, like, you know, that's the nitty-gritty stuff. But as a whole, Roe v. Wade is there to protect the right for people to get an abortion. And this draft was leaked, and it. Uh, this is where Vinny's going to take over and talk about the nitty-gritty of exactly what the draft said, because I have not read the draft, so I'm not going to say anything that,
1: I mean, I also want to preface this. I'm still reading it. It's a really massive document. It's like 98 pages. I made it through uh, like 55 pages. So we will base this on the 55 pages I have read. And also I am no legal expert, but just trying to make sense of what's there, right? Heads or tails kind of thing. Good.
2: That's, that's our disclaimer. We are not legal experts. This is our opinions. This is how we feel about this matter. And yeah. we both have strong opinions when it comes to situations like this. And we're obviously, uh, we're not women. We're not talking about this from a perspective of a woman. We're talking about this oh, for sure. as yeah. uh, just another fellow American regarding what we think it means to be an American and what it means to have access to rights as well.
1: Okay. And I think the best thing you can do is to uh, go read the document yourself and uh, probably consult like a lawyer or something (laughs) to get a deeper opinion. So the draft was written by uh, Justice uh, Samuel Alito, who was uh, uh, someone that was put in there during the Bush presidency, from what I read. Um, And it started, it starts off mentioning how abortion is still an issue very like, Hotly debated, you can say in uh in the country, and uh, it is special because it's a moral issue. Uh, he calls it a profound moral issue, of which Americans are still divided. And the two sides that he broadly outlines in the beginning is one believing that uh, life begins at conception, so that an abortion taken at any point is not um shouldn't be allowed because that would be uh infringing on the rights of the life that exists inside the womb of the woman that's pregnant um and then the other on the on the other side we have the view that one we don't quite know when life begins but what we do know is that any regulation on abortion prevents women from achieving full equality and by full equality uh this side generally means engaging in equal like economic social and just uh general participation in society uh the same way those that aren't women participate right cool with the the first the beginning
2: yes and um just just a heads up when he says that americans are deeply divided the statistic that i read the most recent from i think uh new york times and multiple different other outlets uh is that 20 per, around 20% of Americans are against uh well against ab- uh, abortion they're like 100% n- like nope sorry i am not making structuring my words care properly here 20% of Americans yeah. support a, a universal ban on abortion and the rest support abortion but to different uh extents you know some people say 6 months some people say more some people say universal the, the group that supports abortion is more divided on the specifics, but as a whole, they still support it.
1: Okay, yeah. And um, r- with respect to the Roe v. Wade decision of 1973, uh, Judge Alito said that um, he sees it as a, a exercise of raw judicial power and that it exceeds the bounds of what the judicial branch uh, should be allowed to do. So uh, he argues or starts his argument saying it should be overturned because uh, the right to abortion is not on the Constitution or on the 14th Amendment, which apparently was the amendment mentioned during the Roe v. Wade. I actually did not read uh, the Roe v. Wade case yet. Uh, I'm reading what Alito's recounting of it here. Uh, Because the 14th Amendment basically has a due process clause And in this due process clause which would be like you know a right to due process um, uh, states that people's rights should extend to those that are and i quote deeply rooted in this nation's history and tradition and implicit in the concept of ordered liberty so he starts off with the deeply rooted in this nation's history and tradition and analyzes like, uh, or mentions, I guess, not really analyzes um, the law of the United States and also common law, which I believe is the British law that came before from like the 1700s until now. And uh, he talks about, well, he argues that um, the right for an abortion is not deeply rooted in this nation's history and traditions because Even up to the time of uh, Roe v. Wade, 30 states had laws preventing abortion at all stages. And before then, uh, there were several states for a while that had laws that prevented, um, that were against abortion of quickened fetuses. And quickened here means uh, when first uh, the fetus shows signs of life. Which, since they had, you know, archaic medicine by our standards, it would probably be when the woman starts feeling the baby moving or something of that sort. Uh, any comments so far?
2: No comments yet, but I will, be, I will be jumping in when it comes to his regard of tradition and the law of the land based on the past. I do have an opinion on that saying that society, while should be respectful of tradition and take into consideration things that have happened in the past, we cannot uh, fully do everything based on the past because society has changed. As Vinny just mentioned back in the day with rudimentary medicine, it could be when the woman feels a kick in her belly. Now we can find out if you're pregnant and we can find the gender of your child through blood work in like a couple of weeks in. So modern medicine and modern science has made this uh, made this situation a little bit more complicated and fundamentally the, another question that you, the listener should uh, honestly answer to yourself is where do you consider life uh, the, the beginning of life is? Because um, we will get to a point in modern science where kids like can be... Gro- I, I, are we at a point in modern science where kids can be grown from a test tube? I think it's literally... Uh, um, not yet. Yeah. If we get to that point, the waters of... Uh, when life begins, is gonna get even more murkier. So when I, you- I
1: think we can cross that bridge when we get there.
2: Yeah, when we cross that bridge, we will... yeah, we can cross that bridge when we get there, but it is op- for you to make this decision for yourself before you go further into this conversation, in my opinions.
1: Yeah, so a big part of uh, Judge Alito's argument is that in the constitution itself, there's obviously no explicit claim about uh, a right to abortion. And uh, this explicit reading of the constitution is something he's been uh, getting criticism for. But the other thing is that, uh, so we should look for an implicit way that the right to abortion would be protected. And that's why, like I said, we turn to the 14th amendment, right? The, um, what was the name of the, cla- the due process clause. But like he said, there is no, well, I- again, taking his argument, uh, there is apparently no deeply rooted tradition of uh, allowing abortion to take place in this country and uh, it is not implicit in the concept of ordered liberty. Ordered liberty here uh, to him, which he kind of quickly dismisses in my opinion, um, is uh, meant to be where you judge the rights of uh, the individual people of the state against the rights of everyone in the state uh, to kind of like draw the line of where you go because you want order, right? And then uh, he also mentions the 14th Amendment Equal Protection Clause and uh, this was somewhere where I, I, there's something that I thought was kind of interesting. And like, just let me know what you think here. Because apparently, he said that the right to abortion is not covered under the 14th Amendment Equal Protection Clause because there is a precedent saying that the goal, uh, this is me quoting, the goal of preventing abortion does not constitute individually discriminatory uh, action against women, which I thought was very interesting. Uh, what do you think?
2: Can you repeat that again?
1: Yeah, so uh, the Equal Protection Clause does not uh, apply to this right of abortion because the goal of preventing abortion does not constitute individually discriminatory uh, like action against women.
2: So basically, he's arguing that this clause doesn't apply for women because it doesn't discriminate them individually, right?
1: Uh, Basically, yeah. Deciding whether or not abortion is legal does not necessarily discriminate against women. This is what he's saying. Apparently, there's a precedent for this. He cites, like, two different cases that set precedents for this.
2: Yeah, that just sounds like a a weird interpretation of the situation at hand because last time I checked, men can't get abortions? Like, it's not...
1: See, that's the thing. I understand how there's no... uh, how it might be seen that there's no individual discriminatory action against women on whether abortion should be legalized or not but it is quite strange given that only one of the sexes can have abortions or you know can get pregnant so I, i feel like there's a asymmetry from the beginning in this relationship and this asymmetry is not being addressed by basically uh overlooking this equal protection clause that's that was my take but apparently there's precedent for this and that's why he cites it
2: i mean if even if his press he cites his precedents. i'm more interested in knowing what are the specifics on this precedent, because the this the thing is if something applies to everyone then it's not discrimination but if something only specifically targets a certain group of people that is discriminatory that's the definition of that
1: yeah but if it only targets the group that it can target it's not necessarily discriminating i think that's the thing that he would say because it can't target the other group it's not like it's targeting this group on purpose you get what i mean it's not selecting this group this group biologically is the only one that can be selected.
2: Okay, I, I I can see that argument, but it it is it is taking that argument to to the level of like well it's not discriminatory because everyone in that specific group is already affected by it. It doesn't matter if you're white, Asian, black, done, you're still a woman. So. I can see the argument. I just don't think it's standing on solid concrete ground. It's more like standing on a marshy field.
1: Yeah. And at the end of me going through this, the first 50 pages that I read, I will address some of the criticisms people have uh, talked about, by the way. So uh, he goes on for a long time talking about how um, the... Abortion was not legal before, it was actually criminalized. Then he cites a thing from 1775 by uh, a dude named Matthew Hale, which also just so happens to, uh, during his time in 1775, he had two women executed for witchcraft, but I guess we don't mention that. And uh, he said that uh, when Roe was arguing for whether abortion should be legalized or not, uh, that, um, She had ideological motivations behind it so that her argument was actually not very solid in terms of its logic, uh, which is something he tries to point out. And to add to this, so when the decision was made, uh, they were trying to figure out whether abortion would be legal or not, like when it should be legal based on the, uh, well, first they divided pregnancy into trimesters and they try to analyze when a fetus would become a viable fetus. And there's a case later that makes more, even more uh, explicit this like viability thing. But the basic idea is that um, the fetus only become protected under the uh, law of the country once it's a viable fetus. And a viable fetus in this case is basically a fetus that can survive outside the body of the woman, like outside the moon. So that's why they settled for uh, having abortions be legal up until the end of the second trimester, I think, based on like the medicine at the time. And uh, after the second trimester, uh, states were up to decide whether they it would be legal or not, right? So far, so good.
2: Yes. But my question come. I have another question regarding this. Viable yeah, yeah. fetus. Don't are we are are we, are we not at a point where a value of... Sorry, English.
1: Value, viability.
2: Viabil, viable fetus is getting closer and closer to state to stages of conception.
1: Yeah, and that's a uh, that's one of the arguments that Judge Alito makes against Roe. He actually says that the idea of viability. Depends on so many factors that is not something that should be in like a a ruling of the Supreme Court. It's such a like, you know, not clear concept because it depends one on individual person to person. It depends on uh, where you are, because let's say, you know, I'm in New York City, I can have access to a hospital in no time versus I live uh, in a rural area very distance from the nearest hospital. If I have a problem with the baby, like Just living in New York City means that the fetus is viable earlier than living somewhere else? That doesn't seem to make sense, right? So he's very strongly against this idea of viability being used to decide when abortion should or should not take place.
2: Okay, so he took it in the opposite direction that I took it. (laughs) Oh, what were you saying? Well, I I think the, 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 the notion of viable fetus shows that it's it's we're coming to a point where like you have to give more and more prioritization to the person who's already alive and has the ability to make a decision you know no, okay, okay like, but
1: tie this tie this to the notion of viability okay
2: i mean my argument is from the same would be the same argument that he ha- he made you know if you have access to better modern medicine uh your viable fetus is at an earlier time than someone who doesn't so the cons i am my argument structure is the exact same as his
1: so you both agree we should do away with the concept
2: yeah kind of let's hope i can recover at the end of
1: this (laughs) yes yeah because he thinks we should do away with the concept and uh because he thinks that the argument that Roe made does not stand on solid ground as shown by the viability and also by most of the states at the time not having the history of wanting to make abortions legal. And again, like I said, according to him, the 14th Amendment either in its Equal Protection Clause or in its Due Process Clause seems to not cover the right of abortion because it's not explicit or implicit in the 14th Amendment or the Constitution. So. He thinks that we should overturn it and let states decide because to him, this would be putting back the question into the hands of the people. And he thinks that it was an overstep of judicial power.
2: He made some valid points, okay? But as valid points, like not necessarily in the right directions. I I agree with him on the viable fetus argument, yes. However, I disagree he- with his argument about the 14th Amendment and due process. Uh, because okay. m- I think that, by definition, when you have something like this that indiscriminately targets a specific gender, it is discriminatory. You know? In the same situation... Like, I can see how this murkyes the water in other situations further down the line, but my I am an egalitarianist at in I am an Ideally, I would want to be an egalitarianist. So my personal principles would say that the Fourteenth Amendment does give the digital uh, digital system the right to uh, overview abortion because this comes down to a notion of rights that women have over their own body and own reproductive system because it see is...
1: this gets to the next uh case that's mentioned the case from the 90s that reinforced the roe v wade decision which is casey uh versus roe i think uh at which and this is from the casey case and he quotes and i quote uh that the heart of liberty is the right to determine one's own concept of existence, of meaning, of the universe, and the mysteries of human life. Um, So this uh, decision argues that not only because of the history of the country or because of the idea of viability of the fetus, but because of the individual rights of women over their own body. and like that's why we should have uh, this protected uh, like the right to abortion and um, he thinks that this idea of liberty that casey states here is too uh broad he thinks that liberty uh, might mean different things to different people and that's why they should be very careful when analyzing it as uh the last people to decide what the law how the law should be interpreted right Uh, He says, and I quote, that liberty can be a dangerous term, or liberty as a dangerous term. And there's a great quote that I want to pull up that he says right after this, which is great. Um, Give me one second just to pull it up.
2: While you're pulling this up, I do want to talk about his notion of liberty. And this is also where I would want you, the listener, to take some time to, to come, like, take... A good less uh, a good time to understand what liberty means to you, because liberty from person to person will have different, ex- like you know, different levels of reach. Per se, for example, the best example I have would be explaining my own definition of liberty. My own definition of liberty is, you have, quote, and this is again. You have to be uh, alive, uh, per se. You have to be alive, per se. So I will actually mention this after Vinny says his quote, and I think that you got the quote already.
1: Yeah, so when mentioning the dangers of liberty, like of a broad, unrestricted, almost right to liberty, which he thinks is what uh, Casey is appealing to here, is that, uh, here's the quote those criteria at a high level of generality the criteria here being liberty taken to its highest generality could license fundamental rights to illicit drug use prostitution and the like this is on page 32 of the draft if anyone was wondering which i thought was great uh so basically he's saying that if we allow the right to abortion in this interpretation of the 14th amendment and its uh, liberty right we will actually allow room for uh, fundamental rights to be defended, such as the right to drug use and prostitution, which to me was an interesting which, reading.
2: To, again, I'm going to my notion of liberty, which again comes down to, duh, if it's people's choice, they should have the right. But I do want to say this. It seems a little bit of a jump in logic that uh, the uh, the Fourteenth Amendment protecting abortion is also the Fourteenth Amendment, uh, Amendment protecting the right for prostitution and uh, drug use because here's the thing. I mean,
1: he's he's saying this because neither I explicitly said so. You since we we have to bring in like mm-hmm. uh, a broader reading of it to bring mm-hmm. abortion in according to him you can you might as well do a broader reading of it to bring fundamental right to you know illicit drug use
2: but here's the thing the yes as he he talks about this but the the the, the, the 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 thing about the 14th amendment and due process is the word would be indiscriminatory. like if it's discriminating against a specific group prostitution whether prostitution and drug use wherever you sit mm-hmm. on the camps on those two issues as long as the laws you implement regarding that don't discriminate based on things that people can't control that's a difference that puts it into a different conversation so i think that uh, judge alito is in the wrong here for it's like using the slippery slope argument you know
1: so you basically think that despite the precedent that he mentions and the three different cases he cites for this precedent that uh laws regulating abortion or decisions regulating abortion would discriminate against women. It seems to be that that's where you have the problem of his argument.
2: Yes, he. I already have my. The, I think this is where he and I diverge past and will never cross again. Is the fact that it comes down to the Fourteenth Amendment and the Due Process Clause, where I say that it is discriminating against women, and he says it's not.
1: Okay. I mean, you're going to have to argue with him. I'm just presenting his argument here. The other thing he mentions to emphasize how weak the, well, according to him, how weak the Roe v. Wade uh, argument or stance is, is that uh, we talk about viability without talking about why the state's interest in the fetus should start after viability. Like, why not before? What makes it so different? And then apparently the other case that came later, the Casey case, talks about potential life and that uh, after viability, there is potential life. And that's why we should care about it. And the state should care about it because then the rules would kick in to protect the life of this potential life, I guess. Um, exactly. So that's another like critique of the Roe v. Wade decision, how like it's not clear. And the, the one that came later talking about potential life uh, says that abortion should be uh, allowed um, in in cases that don't um, in cases that provide an undue burden on the um, woman that's pregnant. An undue burden is another term that's not defined very clearly, which is what he also points out. He basically believes all of this stands on like not well defined terms, and that that's not how the Supreme Court should run.
2: I agree with him on the word of viable fetus. I disagree with him on the word of undue burden. Because the whole point of undue burden is that it doesn't matter. You know? I think that the undue burden is... I am. Um, this is where also I'll, I'll take a, a little bit out of the courts here is where a, a life shouldn't be brought into this world if either party if the party who who's having this being having this life thinks that this life is not worth it you know it's not worth the effort not worth the sacrifice or whatever so
1: i mean he he does mention as well that we have since evolved since 1973 and now uh there is a much higher chance of women giving birth without dying things are better and that uh Adoption yeah, centers okay. are way better as well. And things like that. I So, I, that's I, also yeah, a possibility.
2: I agree with his statement, but I disagree with his notion that undue burden only has to do with the life and health of the birthing mother. I think that undue burden can also include economical pressures, uh, and, you know, life. And everything that incomperse- incorporates all of this. So... Undue burden can be like as small as them being like we can't afford a baby or we don't have the means to do this, or, you know, not small, but something like that. And I don't think that it should, undue burden should solely be limited to the health of the mother.
1: Okay, I mean, it's not solely limited to that. Uh, his issue with it is that it's not well-defined at all and that he thinks we shouldn't be deciding whether potential life as it's been termed, uh, cease to exist or not on the basis of undue burden, which can be, a, as you said, as little as, you know, uh, I don't know, like, uh, some like economic pressures or as large as, uh, the threatening the life of the mother, right? Like, you get what I mean? That's his issue with it.
2: Yeah. Which that another disagreement, but yes.
1: The other thing he also mentions at one point, I wasn't sure where to put it in here in our discussion, is that uh, philosophers to this day have yet to figure out when life begins, uh, biologists as well. And um, philosophers tend to consider life to begin when a person acquires personhood. And when a person acquires personhood uh, can be as late as when you're like two or three in terms of the uh, philosophers, right? But I think everyone would agree that uh, uh to kill someone that's two would be killing in that end like to terminate their life uh so it's interesting that he brought this up so but he brought this also, up basically to say no one knows when personhood begins
2: and also put, he was talking about potential life right the yeah that's the second uh, term that i disagree with him is
1: i mean that was the term coined in the 1992
2: uh, case yes case. so i I agreed with him with the viable fetus argument from the original Roe v. Wade. I disagreed with his uh, other, the, the subsequent cases, which is Cassidy versus Wade or Roe. I don't, don't really know which
1: yeah. one. Yeah, and then later he addresses how um, some people might be like, well, this has to do with our uh, rights to do with individual privacy, right? Or like our individual control over our lives like cases stated as well, like with the liberty over one's own life. And so this would be similar to the right to marry, uh, which, you know, there are cases about the right to marry uh, uh, same-sex individuals or like the right to marry interracially, both of these, which are not explicitly stated in either the constitution or the 14th amendment. Um, but Judge Alito enforces that abortion is different because of this potential life. It's a moral issue that cannot be uh, like, di- like it's entangled with this idea of when does life begin, um, which to him makes it all the different. It's unlike every other thing, and that's why the to him again the court just can't go ahead and have the same uh, decision on this as with like the right to marry, for example.
2: I I see where his argument is coming from, but I think that his argument is already. F- Flawed because of the wrong understanding of the initial Fourteenth Amendment, and then his proceed his procedural uh, definition and like like he's he's constantly bringing into he's like reading like a what is it I wouldn't say even a strong constitutionalist he's reading more like a nitpicking level of the document to like
1: I mean he's th- being pretty literal at least with the Constitution and. Uh, And with the 14th Amendment, he's trying to cite, one, how this case is different from other cases, which were extensions of what was explicitly written. Um, And what else? I mean, again, with the Equal Protection Clause, he doesn't think it's discrimination. And with the Due Process Clause, he doesn't think it's either deeply rooted in our nation's history, which is one of the things that needs to be uh, fulfilled for the Due Process Clause to kick in. Or implicit in the concept of ordered liberty, he thinks it's neither of these.
2: Which is a fundamental thing that I disagree with this n- way of reading about it. This, and also this is another issue: is like for the due process clause to kick in, it has to be with the traditions and the way of the country, right?
1: Well, either with our uh, deeply rooted, it's deeply rooted in this nation's history and tradition. That's the exact wording, but it can be like rooted in the history. Also considering the present of society and where it's heading, it doesn't have to be just the past kind of thing.
2: See, that's the that that small paragraph or whatever line is what's what brings me more into question of Judge Alito's as an individual and a person because uh, it it talks about the situation where you are. You know, it's like his view of what the country is. It's his opinions of what he thinks the due traditions of the countries are. It's his future perception of the country.
1: Again, he is citing all the law from before when abortion was illegal. He cites a lot of the law, like in the past from when abortion was not legal. As like to show that abortion as a right has not been a deeply rooted thing in this nation's history.
2: Again, he's citing these argue these conversations, and again, for me, it seems like cherry pick data. You know, it's like while he uh, cites these documents, I can also, on the flip side, cite other documents showing that well, voila, it has been here since the creation of this country.
1: But so. the thing is, he cites those things. But do you have any to cite right now? Uh, <laughs> you get of what my I mean.
2: Mind, I think that there's a document by Benjamin Franklin. But again, uh, can you keep talking for a little bit while I do a quick search on this?
1: Oh no, it's fine. We we should move on because there's other things I want to talk about, including the criticisms to the things I've said so far. Uh, so let's see. To end it off, because uh, we are almost caught up with the page that I was on, which is page 55. Um, he's talking about the specific cases of uh, you know, understanding undue burden, and then he cites some um, medical documents uh, to talk about different burdens that can be re- received or perceived by different women, and how like the viability thing, this is not well-defined at all. And we shouldn't have a decision based on something that's so not clearly defined. Um, so we're pretty much caught up to where I was, right? Can I open it up to the criticisms that have been made against him? Uh,
2: yes. And I, before you do that, I do think that there uh, there was a situation where Ben, uh, ben Franklin had uh, abortion. And I, this is where I would have to say, again... If Dance, if you could possibly put, like, a strong disclaimer, this is unchecked information, because I haven't had time yet. Potentially, by the end of the podcast, I'll come back and correct myself. Uh, but, uh, Benjamin Franklin has put in, like, abortion recipes within his mass textbooks and stuff like that, so... Some could con- consider that traditional, so... As you say, and some now, could
1: consider that nitpicking, like you just said, George picking. Alito Little was doing.
2: Exactly. But... <laughs> so, you know, I can counter his nitpicking with my nitpicking, but it doesn't do anything. I
1: mean, but then, but then we gotta open up to how sub- like, how large of a sample do we need, right? Because mm-hmm. he's citing all these laws from God knows when, because uh, well, I don't I'm
2: remember. But I'm also I'm citing le, uh, books and uh, books and things from the foundation of the country.
1: I mean, so. yeah, and which one should take precedent, the law or the, you know, or, but let me, yes. what, let what, me go what, into the criticisms of him so you can actually talk about it.
2: Okay, go ahead.
1: Okay, so uh, now the, this critiques I'm getting from a um, NBC News document, which kind of compiled the things I had already looked up in other places like uh, New York Times, CNN, and such. Uh, This is specifically from the NBC News. So remember how I said that uh, he claims that the right to abortion is not deeply rooted in our nation's history, right? Right? You remember that? We're just talking about that? Yes, yes. Well, the right to uh, homosexual sodomy was also not protected. The right to choose your intimate partner, though, was considered something... Uh, to be protected and to be a right, so uh, rights can suffer from uh different levels of generality. So, here the critique is that he's looking at something too specific, right? Okay, Where okay, uh, backtrack
2: a little bit here. So, you uh, backtrack your argument, uh, the the critic, and like I'm a, I got a bit derailed and confused there,
1: okay? Basically. Uh, the right to the right for someone to have like same sex s- sex, right, is not protected and is not part of the history of this nation. But the right to choose your intimate partner is something that was considered a right to be protected. And this critique is basically saying that if you state abortion as something as narrow as the right to have an abortion, and you look at history, that will not be protected. But if you look at let's look at our nation's history of rights to make medical decisions. Then you will see that there's many cases in history where again and again, we try to reinforce the right to, for an individual to make their own medical decision. And that will be protected. And under that would be included abortion as a medical decision.
2: Okay, so yes, this is a valid criticism that I will actually point against him. Thank you for whoever pointed that out.
1: Yeah, I mean, I can give you the name of the author if people want to know. Wanna know. Uh,
2: we'll link it at the end of this, because this podcast might actually go Yeah,
1: it's by time. Caroline Mala Corbin, a professor of law at the University of Miami. Okay, so problem of generality.
2: Yep, I understand that one.
1: Yeah. Uh, the second one is that... Uh, his opinion seems to be that relying on history and tradition alone determines which rights should be protected and which rights shouldn't be protected, right?
2: Yep.
1: Yeah. But uh, here this person says that we shouldn't be relying on a history where we has again and again been shown to be filled with racism, sexism, and homophobia to determine our fundamental rights today. We should also look at society today in determining these rights, right?
2: That, that was, yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and that there are many historical inequalities which will only be perpetuated if we continue to only look at history. One of those inequalities is the inequality between men and women.
2: Okay, so this is exactly one of the points I brought up, just much more eloquently, uh, with with the notion that if you look at tradition and history, you're disregarding society as it is currently.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're going to love the next point. Uh, his opinion, this is the critique, that Judge Alito's opinion reaffirms that pregnancy discrimination is not sex discrimination. Where, we, what you have been trying to argue as well is that uh, pregnancy discrimination is sex discrimination. Yes. I yes. hundred th- percent.
2: I will a hundred percent put my whole weight behind this because it is ju- like yes we have biological differences between a male and a female but that doesn't give the right for uh, for one gender to not dictate how they what they want to do with their body
1: yeah and something that this uh, author adds here which is great and this is a direct quote it's like saying that an insurance company that refuses to cover testicular cancer does not discriminate against men because many will not develop it
2: yeah uh, yeah. That's the best example, is we have diseases that are very specifically targeted. Men don't usually suffer from breast cancer. Exactly. You can't just against that. But yeah, yeah there are um, cases, but, you know,
1: very Yeah, critique number four is that the court casually dismisses the Equal Protection Clause, and that there's much more to the Equal Protection Clause, as uh, Judge Alito seems to make of it here, as mentioned in the Planned Parenthood versus Casey case which recognize that without the right to control their reproduction, women cannot participate as equals in social, economic, and political life. So it would be discriminating against them to uh, n- make laws outlaw- outlawing abortion.
2: Yeah, because here, the of, of, of reality of the matter is, if a woman gets pregnant and abortion is illegal, she's out for nine months. It's
1: yeah, nine nine I mean, more than for, that.
2: Yeah, yeah <laughs> just... Let's put it in general terms, you know? Like, she's three of... years. Yeah, she... actually, yes, because of... The... I mean,
1: according to philosophers, it's around two that, uh, <laughs> you know, personhood becomes a thing.
2: Yeah, so, you know... And also, I think I was misquoting the entire time when I was talking Was it was for the, the equality co- clause, not the due mm-hmm. process clause.
1: Yeah, I think it was the equality clause, yeah, but so, you, were, you were so uh, adamant about it that right? I didn't want to mention anything. <laughs> it was
2: for <laughs> equal rights! Anyway, keep
1: going. The other thing is that uh, he claims that there's nothing wrong with letting legislators uh, determine abortion access, right? He says that it should be up to the people, especially since it's a hotly debated topic that has a moral component to it, right? But uh, this professor at Miami Law says that this ignores the fact that women are not even close to half of those with power to make abortion decisions. For example, in Mississippi, they only make 15.5% of Mississippi's legislature. So even if they try to, to, like as individuals to have a law to pass, they would just always be the minority. So uh, this points out that our laws, are uh, our rights are protected so that we can be protected against the tyranny of the majority.
2: I I, I agree with this uh, criticism, and I also want to say this is the point where this is the whole point of the court system is not to just review and revise the law is to protect the rights of the individual, the rights granted to us by the Constitution, and the Bill of Rights, it's if you say these notions of like, oh, put it down to the state legislations, and they will decide, right? But uh-huh. if the state legislations prevent participation from the individual, which has been proven uh, multiple times throughout the years, that states and legislations have ways of circumnavigating uh, the, uh, the votes of the people. So
1: I feel like that's another issue as well. That's, a,
2: that's another issue. Because this,
1: this is pointing out that even if the people do vote... Just by virtue of them being a minority, they will be, like,
2: yeah, like even if they try delivered. to, they can't influence. Yep, I agree with that. And that you. this is
1: something important enough where it should be protected, even if the people that this applies to is a minority.
2: And just, just like we, are, we have disability laws pre- protecting exactly, exactly. Uh, people who are disabled, but they don't make a big portion of the population. They'll never make a yeah. big portion of the, the Senate or House of Representatives or of State, but they're still
1: protected. Exactly. The other criticism, and we're almost done. We might go a bit quicker here. Uh, this opinion can put other uh, rights at risk, for example, the right uh, to contraception access, interracial marriage, or a same-sex marriage, because they all rely on this uh, individual liberty idea, which uh, Alito says we shouldn't, you know, extend.
2: Yeah, this is this is also another situation where once you open, there are so many laws and notions that are for people's personal liberty, people's right to choose, that is indirectly tied to Roe v. Wade, that taking away this foundation block will have this whole house of cards collapse.
1: Yeah, the other thing that uh, this person points out as a criticism is that Judge Alito ignores the fact that uh, the belief that abortion kills a human being and that a human being is created at conception is a deeply religious view, and it is not a universal one. Uh, it is held by certain Christians and uh, Jewish sects. I
2: mean, this this will always come down to where this is the interpretation of the law through his eyes. What he is, which is one of my criticism of Judge Alito's writing, is. You cannot say that you're just reading and not taking any unintentional meanings from the Constitution. And that's actually
1: the the last criticism. Oh, I skipped it. Because, yeah, this is the quote In interpreting what is meant by the 14th Amendment uh, in its reference to liberty, we must guard against the natural human tendency to confuse what that amendment protects with our own ardent views about the liberty that Americans should enjoy. And again, uh, as the author pointed out here, as you're pointing it out, that's exactly what a little does. It overrules decades of like precedent uh, to impose the conservative justices' view on abortion on uh, everyone else.
0: Yeah,
2: and this is. I don't think we'll be doing a part two unless there's a major development on yeah, this. I don't think topic. we need
1: a part two, but I do need to finish reading that thing.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I was going to say well, I don't think I don't think there's going to be a part 2 unless there's like a major another conversation that has to be happened about this. So yeah. in the in the as we were reading uh, a draft for of, of a court system, how about we end this with some closing ar-
1: closing, some closing
2: arguments from each of us?
1: Okay, you can say what you have to say. My thing is actually a quote from uh, someone that I found which kind of encapsulates how I feel about this thing.
2: Okay, so my closing argument is going to be fresh off of my, off my mind right now, with literally five, not even any prep work. So there are there are a lot of issues in this world. There is a lot of problems and things, but one of the key things that sets us separate from the animals and everything is our structured civilized society, and the one that we lived in is an American one that that was based. the desire of personal liberty and personal freedoms and this is a hill does for me personally that I think that I'll fight on and not give an inch to thoughts and ideologies that say that this hill this should not exist or should this should be outlawed this is a right for women this is a right for every working Mother, every single uh, girl to choose how what they want to do with their body and it extends beyond that it is a it is a choice that we as a human should be allowed we should be able to decide what we do with our bodies so it doesn't matter to me if you're conservative progressive liberal whatever from wherever from the spectrum this is a, a topic about personal liberties and personal freedom so if I haven't made my opinions very, very clear here, is this goes beyond just abortion. This is about rights and what it means to be a human and what it means to be an equal human being to another person.
1: Nice. I think that's well said. And if I may add, uh, the one last thing I have to say, I actually wanna quote Jessica Winter, uh, the writer for the New Yorker uh, who wrote this quote. Uh, Alito does not mention that American women have the highest maternal mortality rate in the industrialized world, that America is the only industrialized nation without mandated paid leave, that 16% of its children live in poverty, that it spends something like 2% of what some Scandinavian countries uh, spend on daycare per toddler. Alito does not quantify what the end of row means, nor does he personify it. There are no women here, there is the womb The generic vessel outside which the fetus cannot survive but there is no body for all the suffering and havoc that may result from this decision it is a bloodless text on the matter that is all about blood i think that's beautifully said again by jessica winter of the new yorker
2: that's just beautiful yeah honestly you read it with such eloquence that i was also mesmerized so thank you for doing us uh a great reading of the first 55 pages of this draft, and thank you for reading more about the the criticism and also finding that beautiful code, quote.
1: Oh, it was nice. I think it's the least we can do. Huh.
2: So yes, and uh, it's not a somber note that we're gonna end on. We're ending on a note of hope and, you know, fight for a better world, fight for a better future that you believe in, And this is not despair. This is a time for you to, you know, go out and find who you are as an individual and stand for what you think is right.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. And with
2: that, you can reach out to us on any uh, platform that we are on. I don't know (laughs) which platforms we're on, actually, so I'm not going to quote anything. Uh, But again, I'll leave my email. uh, Well, not my email. I'll leave the podcast's email For this specific uh episode in the description and if you have any argument that you want to make we will try to respond to you and you know obviously keep it friendly (laughs) we're here to have a conversation for sure for sure we thank you for your attention to our regularly scheduled podcast next week which will probably get delayed for another eight months because this one's a special one that goes out early
1: yeah this is like a torpedo podcast thank you very much bye bye bye
0: that quote that vinnie used at the end was very very well put um it probably explains how a lot of people are feeling currently with the situation Um, I just wanted to come on and say, as a woman, a young woman, barely out of college, just starting a life in this crazy ass world, it, to see my rights taken away from me, and then the possibility of other people's rights, um... With the discussions that now they are going to go look at other previous cases um i saw one um, government official say now let's go look at uh brown versus the board of education they are literally trying to take us back into before segregation was eradicated that is my belief and i i'm scared i'm scared of what will happen, I mean, people are already discussing completely overthrowing the government. It's it's scary to even think that throughout my whole life, currently I had this right, never really thought about it. Cause I mean, the big talk of it obviously is the abortion part, but I'm 22, I never, Until now, I never wanted kids. I mean, I always thought about it, but I never fully was like, oh, uh, I have this right to have, like, a safe abortion and everything. I never thought of that because it was just there. And now that it's talked about and gone, well, I'm pissed. Because back to the matter is, just because our health care has gotten a lot better and medical procedures are like the top that they can be there's still always a risk no matter what it's it's insane i mean now i have this irrational fear that something will happen to me and i'll think i want i want kids i admit i want kids But now, at this time, I don't, because I don't know if it'll be a safe pregnancy. What if something happens to me? Am I just seriously going to leave the guy I'm with alone with having to start a family and do it without me? Because there's the possibility I could die while giving birth? And then there's the fact of tons of women miscarriage. It is a fact. One in four pregnant women will have a miscarriage. That's quite a lot. And it's scary. And people are getting jailed because of it. Women are getting jailed because they have a miscarriage. And they're suddenly going through the heartbreak of having this miscarriage. And now being freaking prosecuted because of it. It's ridiculous. Some women are already being denied their birth control from their insurances. I'm... (laughs) It's fucked, is what it is. It should never have happened. This sh- this should not have been a discussion. It should not have gone through the courts. This-, this should have been left alone. They should focus more on higher priorities of the fact that there are still people completely in poverty, who are homeless, who literally have no source of income because... No one can hold down a job. Things are going out of business. We're still in the midst of COVID. Like, this should not have been even discussed. None of this should have happened. It is absolute BS that this was discussed and has went through. That is my opinion. I'm pissed. I'm angry. I'm upset. I mean, almost everyone is about it. And I plan to do stuff about it. I will go to protests. I will do things. It's, it's how it's going to be in this world right now. That is a fact. Um, and I will say from Vinny Legit and I, this currently is a hill we want to fight and die on. We are not going to let this stand and i will reiterate if you are have concerns if you want to talk to us anything email us we will talk with you we will discuss it we can join together and hopefully make things right again because that is that is what should happen none of this should have happened in the first place And it's currently up to us as the future leaders of this country to make it right. So please, email us and let us know what you think. And again, thanks for listening to the Weekly Checkout with Legis, Vinny, and Dance.